A white man? No! Hello and welcome to the Unsub is a White Man. I'm Sarah. And I'm Emily. And we are back with another Criminal Minds recap. Yes. This is a two-parter. Yes. And it really tugs on your heartstrings. We get a closer look at a character we did, haven't till this point gotten to know very much, I feel. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot going on here. There's a lot <laughs> happening here. There's a great guest star. There's a crazy uh, Unsub plotline. Yeah. And then there's all this character development stuff that they do. I know. It's they're busy. I, I like this episode. This is a good one. Yeah. And I feel they I mean there are so many where they really phone it in and then it's like all at once they pack everything into one episode. Like where was all this before? Yeah. Like this didn't all have to happen in one. Yeah. They're like, okay, so you guys can do it. Yeah. <laughs> do it all the time. You just don't. Uh we are talking about Lucky. Yes. Which originally aired November 14th, 2007. You ready? Oh, yeah. So uh, this one starts out at a psychiatric hospital, and there's, like, a board of, like, doctors, yeah. I'm assuming. Old white people. Yeah. Um, and they have a very laissez-faire attitude about everything, it seems. Yeah. The one <laughs> doctor is, like, pleading for this patient to remain locked up in the hospital, mm-hmm. despite the law saying that he has to be freed when he's 18. He's, like, he's not healthy he is not safe to yeah. be released and the other doctors are like there's nothing we can do yeah, like, oh, and they're well. like well he's responding well to the medication and the other doctor points out that like you can't guarantee that he's gonna keep taking it yeah like the other reason he's taking it is because he's here yeah also he's he being says forced to he's put on 160 pounds since he was admitted yeah well, some of those medications can really yeah, like, mess with your systems. That's like yeah, like an entire me being yeah. added on to another person. That's crazy. Which is crazy. That doesn't seem healthy. I know there are lots of medications that can do that, but that alone, like there are all these side effects that he's not yeah, going to be would, able to manage. Like and, you would think that that alone would make you like, especially like if you were experience, like, experiencing all of these mental health issues and yeah. not being able to like think rationally, like... That might be one thing alone that would make you want to stop taking the medication right. because you're like, it's screwing up my body. And yeah. I, and it as makes soon as me I'm out of here, like I'm it, not going to do it anymore. Yeah. Uh, like, it, uh, it was a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, he, um, the one woman doctor is like, well, maybe if you just explain to him that he needs to keep taking the medication, you're like, oh, okay. Oh, okay, yes. sure. People experiencing psychosis are notoriously easy to reason yeah. with. <laughs> we'll understand if you just lay it out for him. No problem. Yeah. So anyway, the guards arrive to release this patient and he has all of this artwork with satanic imagery, like Goya paintings and stuff yeah. and books with pentagrams on them. I tried so hard to pause it at the right spot to read what the books were and it was impossible oh i couldn't tell what they were either i think they're just like generic satanic looking books that they like made carved some pentagrams yeah. into yeah um so then we cut to garcia who's stopping to get a cup of coffee and she meets a handsome fellow who's experiencing computer difficulties oh man yeah um what is he from 
I he looks so familiar, right? Other than just a lot of random stuff. Yeah, I think he's just one of those people that's okay. in one episode of everything. I forever. remembered him looking familiar, and I watched this episode so long ago that I yeah. forgot <laughs> <laughs> to look him up. Um, but yeah, he introduces uh, Garcia fixes his computer for him, and he introduces himself as James Colby Baylor, and asks her out on a date. So she's a little shell shocked about it. She's not like, used uh, to being uh-huh, picked yeah, up. Sure, okay. Yeah. Um, I would also be immediately suspicious of anyone who's like nice to me out of nowhere. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I, I but we yeah. watch a lot of stuff like this. So <laughs> That's <maybe>. true. <laughs> but with her job, like you'd think. Yeah, especially. Yeah. But um, so she's arrives at work and Morgan picks up right away that she's acting a little bit weird. Those profilers. Yeah. Uh, so she tells him about the guy and she says she's a little bit nervous because she's not the kind of girl that men notice, especially not super hot men. And Morgan tells her to trust her gut. It's a, it's such a dude response. Yeah. It, it, he does not mean it how it seems, but I, I'm on her side for this one. Like I would have been pissed. It's like on one hand, it's like, I would have been like rude. Yeah. But then on the other hand, it's like, okay, Garcia, like also like, you know him. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, it's not like he, it's, it comes across as very condescending and like him being like, like, yeah, yeah, you're totally right. Someone's into you. No, that's weird. Um, but but, you know, it's not what he means because it's Morgan and he loves her. And what he really, what she really is looking for from him is what a girlfriend would do, which is like, why wouldn't someone love you? And like, of course you're going to get hit on. You're gorgeous. Or like your dude friends don't do that. Yeah. She should have gone and talked to JJ or Prentice. Yeah. (laughs) And your, your guy friends are going to be like, Oh, something seems weird. Yeah. then something probably is. Yeah. Yeah. But doesn't, doesn't go well. No, she does not get what she's looking for here. Uh, But yeah, JJ comes in and tells them that they've got a bad one. Florida bad. Oh, I loved that line. It's a good line. It was so good. Uh, so anyway, there was a body found in a swamp, half eaten by alligators. However, as Hotch points out, the alligators were not the ones who cut off her fingers, slit her throat, or carve a pentagram into her chest, Ugh. which is horrible, but also like the mental image of like the alligators carving <laughs> a pentagram into her chest was really blade. entertaining to me. Yeah. Um, so, of course, the locals think it's a satanic cult, and Prentice points out that satanic cults don't exist, which Rossi already knows, because he's the one who debunked them. Right. Like, ah. Don't you think it was odd that they didn't bring up the last satanic cult case, right? They well, never do. They never like, reference back to one of their own cases. They always talk about a real life case. Yeah. And it was I was so annoyed too because in that other I can't remember the name of that episode. I should have looked it up, but yeah. whatever. Um Gideon says in that episode about how they are real and like all like basically the opposite of everything they say about satanic cults in this episode. Do you remember he- that? Where they talk about satanic panic, but they talk about like... Yeah, but he talks about like... Is that the one with... um, What's his name from Breaking Bad? Yeah, yeah the one with Aaron Paul. Yes, um, yes, yes. But yeah, it's the one where... Um, yeah, he kind of talks about them, but not that they could be real, but not in the way that... Yeah, I guess that's The true. way that these locals are thinking. Like yeah. it's like teenagers who are like yeah we're satanists and then they just like vandalize abandoned warehouses and stuff but not like yeah not like real satanic panic satanic cults yeah 
But yeah, it was. Just, I would have assumed that he and Rossi would have debunked them together. Right. <laughs> <laughs> There's just so much about these two episodes and the crossover there, and them not acknowledging it that made me angry. I don't know. Yeah, it is weird that they would have been like, like somebody would have been like, "Hey, remember the last time we did a satanic yeah. cult thing?" Yeah. Like it would have come up. Ugh. Absolutely not. Uh, but anyway, in his uh, weird blood spattered lair, we see the yeah. unsub <laughs> examining a Ziploc bag. Full of fingers. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Gross. It, it, this is yeah. Everything about this There's so much is horrifying. Yeah, stuff it's, in it's this very episode. gory. Yeah. Um, so we get our first quote: "Fantasy abandoned by reason produces impossible monsters." Francisco Goya. Mm. Uh, Reed says that there are only two kinds of satanic killers and starts quoting Rossi's book at him. <laughs> I would very much like to read Rossi's book on (laughs) satanic killers. I would enjoy that very much. Um, But one of the types are kids who claim to be Satanists to rebel and then accidentally kill people. Like, I don't know that that's ever actually happened. No. That seems like nonsense. Um, And then people who want to kill, but then they blame it on an outside force, like Mm -hmm. Satan. Uh, Morgan says that he went to church every Sunday and satanic stuff never spooked him. You're like... Shut up. Like, everybody who grew up going to church was absolutely terrified by the prospect of hell. That's how yeah. they get you to keep yeah, coming back. Exactly. <laughs> Especially when you're little. Yeah. Um, Reed suggests that perhaps he also never really believed in God. And Morgan does not like this no. at all. <laughs> um, Hotch points out that it's people's reaction to the satanic elements of the murder that gives it power and not to underestimate it. And I was like... Smart touch. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Then we get to the ME's office and we meet the local detective who (laughs) is not smoking a cigar, but just chewing on one, just holding it (laughs) in his mouth the whole time, which seems so unsanitarily gross. Like a cartoon character. Yeah, it's like the cartoons where they're always like, the cartoon's always like about, or the cigar's about to fall out of their mouth, but it never does when they're talking. It's just like, yeah. Um, Yeah, the Emmy explains that Abby, the victim's nose, was broken prior to death, which uh, the death was caused by the throat slitting, and that the pentagram carving was done post-mortem. So then Prentice asks about sexual assault on a victim whose entire lower half is missing. (laughs) That's like the first thing we learned about her, Prentice. I like you. I want to like you. (laughs) But they told us that alligators ate her from the waist down. Yeah. Um, He's like, yeah, um, we're not able to definitively (laughs) say. Um, He says he wasn't sure when the fingers were removed, but uh, until he looked at the stomach contents and realized that she was fed her own fingers. This is just where it's too much for me. Like, can you imagine? No, I can't. And I have problems with this because we have to assume (laughs) that she was fed the full fingers, right? Right. No, don't they say it was removed at the first knuckle? Yes, I Googled that. That means the one at the bottom. Ah, I thought that meant the one at the bottom. That's what I thought too, because that seems feasible to me. It is not feasible that you could swallow your entire own finger. Do you know what happens when you put your fingers down your throat? You throw up. You throw up. That's how you make yourself throw up. Like this, it made me so mad. I was mad. imagining the tiny tips of fingers. That is also what I thought. And I Googled what they meant by first knuckle. And that means the one all the way down at the bottom. No. 
I refuse. I refuse to And the fingers this. that he had in the bag were the full fingers. Huh. I just see I wasn't paying enough attention to that, I yeah. guess. And then I was just, I couldn't get over it. I'm like, how do you choke? Yeah. You can't choke down 10 fingers. You would throw up. Yeah. You'd have to chew, actively chew them up and you're not going to do that. And if you chewed them up, then you would lose the fingerprints. Yeah. And she wouldn't, they wouldn't know. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It's just, it's silly. It's gross, <laughs> but it's silly. Well, it was you- gross to think about when it was the <laughs> tiny tips of all of her fingers, which I could imagine someone putting in your mouth and, and then, then like, covering your mouth exactly, and nose and you have to you- swallow. Yeah. But but not <laughs> when it's your full fucking finger. That's so stupid. <laughs> it's just silly. Okay. Well, yeah. there's that, I suppose. Um, but yeah, so Rossi and JJ and Morgan get to the church to speak with Abby's parents, and Morgan says that he doesn't really want to talk to the priest. So Rossi immediately throws him under the bus and makes him talk to the priest. Rossi hates that he Morgan is not into any of this religion stuff. Yes. Like his whole priest aversion is offensive to Rossi. Yeah. Uh, the priest asks Morgan how long it's been since he's been to church. That Morgan is like, I'm not here to talk about myself. Yeah, I'm like, good answer. This isn't this about is not you. relevant to like, the case. Yeah. yeah. Um, Morgan is like, Hey, has anyone in your church recently become interested in Satan? (laughs) And the priest says no. And the conversation is over. (laughs) But can you imagine if someone came in and was like, man, I just need to know more about Satan, please. (laughs) Tell me more about Satan. Um, so Rossi and JJ talk to Abby's parents who say that she was kind, popular, driven, and was studying to become a nurse. Abby's father says that he made the idea and that the detectives in the Emmy told him that he didn't really know, need to know the details of what was done to her. And he's like, asks Rossi and he's like, do, do I need to know? And Rossi is like, absolutely not. I thought this dad did such a good job. Yeah. Like that for was, how small his part is, it's very impactful. I really liked that scene. Like it was yeah. really good on both of their parts. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, like, you do not need to know. Don't ask any more questions. Remember her like she is. So yeah. I'm, like, really hoping that that's what the dad did because it makes me sad to, like... <laughs> yeah, to think... I know. To think of him knowing those things. Um, so back at the station, the team discusses the crime. Prentice says that the fingers say that he's a sadist. But Rossi disagrees and said that there would be more torture if he was a sadist because making cutting off somebody's fingers and making them swallow them is, is not, not sadistic enough. enough torture. Apparently not. Uh, he says the fingers were meant to send a message. But what message? Hmm. Huh. Um, so the message, we learn, is that she's not the first victim because Hotch arrives with the news that none of the fingers were Abby's. Mm, six of them were index fingers. Six index fingers. Yeah. Which I guess Her- horrific. You, they, you'd have to. They would. Ha- you'd have to have the whole finger to know that, right? I don't know. I don't know. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm looking at my hands. I know. I'm like, I if I just... cut off my finger at the first knuckle, would I be able to tell which one it was? I don't, maybe. I mean, I would because it's mine, but I yeah, don't think I would else's? somebody else's. I don't know. I mean, maybe a medical examiner can. Probably. But that also means that there were like enough fingerprint so she couldn't have chewed anything up. Right. And it couldn't have been in her stomach that long before she was killed because the acid would, would uh, break it all down. Yeah, you would think. But what do I know? I had the wrong knuckle in my mind <laughs> this whole time. I had to look it up because I was very confused. Um, so a girl... Uh, we see a girl parking her Jeep and heading out into the woods to go bird watching. Yes. Because, man, the writers have really gone anti-bird. Yes. 
<laughs> they want to show us how far afield we are from Gideon. Yeah. Um, she goes into the bathroom and sees a pentagram on the stall wall. Mm-hmm. And then we see a man's boots lower to the ground, like mm-hmm. silently in the next stall, mm-hmm, and then walk mm-hmm. around and approach the stall door. And it's like, that was a scary scene. Yeah. Like, this is why I can't even go to the bathroom at a rest stop. Like, it just freaks me <laughs> so out. like, I'm never going to a public bathroom again. No. Um, so Garcia answers her phone in a very Garcia way, and it's Colby from the coffee shop, and he wants to take her to dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, so she fake cl- coughs and declines, um, and then she gets a hit on the prints from the fingers and learns that most of them were prostitutes. So Garcia um, yells at Morgan because she feels like she doesn't, th- or she feels like he doesn't think that a hot girl a guy would ever be interested in him. And you're I- like, come on. I feel like, though, they do this tension between the two of them well. And it's probably more a testament to the actors than the writing. But yes, it felt like it played well. Yeah. The tension between them. Yeah. Because it's like you can understand it. And like, and it's so like, like, it's you like know. a getting mad at your friend thing. Like exactly. A, yeah. And Garcia's mad and Morgan's like, I didn't do anything. Why? Yeah. I didn't do anything. <laughs> you're like, God. It's so, it's very realistic. Yeah. Um, But then we get our profile while the. Detective continues to chew on that unlit cigar. <laughs> it is not much of a profile, at least what I wrote down. Now, you think that they would have a lot more to say? They in something There's really weird nothing. Like this. It's like this weird question and answer session where the local guy asks a few questions and they answer, and then they all move on because there's a, they get a phone call. Yeah. Um, so they start by prefacing that this is indeed a killer, a serial killer that is in Bridgewater, as based on the last known locations of the ten women whose fingers were inside Abby's stomach. The void in the center of these locations is his safety zone. He avoids killing near his home to escape detection, and the void center is Bridgewater. And local detective guy says, why would he violate the safety zone? Because no one knew he existed. Because no one knew he existed, he left the BAU, the fingers. And the local guy is like, so he wants us to catch him. They're like, no, 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 no. Killing gives him power. Our knowing gives him more. He won't stop. He's just getting started. And then they get a phone call, and that's it. That's all we get. That's not much. Nope. There's nothing to go on there. They're not telling us anything about how to get him or look for him or anything. Just that he exists. Yeah. I could tell you he exists. (laughs) We know. We know that. (laughs) Good thing they brought him in. Mm -hmm. Um, So the team then goes to check out the site of the latest victim's abduction. Uh, We learned that her name is Tracy Lambert and her roommate reported her missing. Um, Rossi finds all of her books that were in her backpack like neatly stacked on the toilet mm-hmm. and he determines that the sub- unsub was likely institutionalized because of the orderly manner in which he keeps his books yes like, mm-hmm. sure i mean i would have assumed he was probably institutionalized at some point because he's the kind of person who cuts off people's fingers <laughs> and feeds them to other people mm-hmm. yep <laughs> that seems like a crazy person <laughs> thing to do um but yeah the uh Priest and the congregation arrive at the park. Um, I loved when, so they show, show the shot of like everyone arriving and there's just a bunch of cops standing around writing in tiny notebooks in the background. Yeah. Everyone is just taking That's notes. what police work looks yeah. like. Oh, it was great. Uh, Morgan says that it's not a good idea because the unsub could be a member of the congregation. 
They're like, last time there was a satanic murderer, you specifically (laughs) went to the priest and asked everyone to come there for the reason that someone in the congregation could have been the satanic murderer. And that's another thing. It's like they have interacted with members of clergy and the church and stuff before, and Morgan's never had an issue until this episode. Yeah. Right? Like, Yeah, like there was that one... With the, the with guy, the court, the court reporter guy. Yeah. That was, yeah. Like it, it just, never came up before. Right. <laughs> but it's suddenly an issue now. I don't know. Yeah. And how do they know? How are all these women are these last two women are both from the same congregation? Is that what we're supposed to believe that Abby and Tracy are both went to the same church? I think maybe cause they say that there's only like one church in the town. Okay. I was confused. About yeah. It. I think they, they say it's like a really small town and like that's the church that everybody okay. goes to. And I'm okay. like, because I remember that because I was like, no, yeah. I live in a really small town and there are a hundred freaking yeah. churches. Here. That's all there is. There's one <laughs> yeah. bar, but there's 14 yeah. churches. Yeah. Yeah. The smaller the community, the more churches you're going to have. Mm-hmm. Um, so JJ also remembers that plan from the last time and is like, oh, you know what? I'll take over the search party setup. Mm-hmm. It'll work out. Um, so then a woman who is in the search party gets abducted. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They don't have a great search procedure as we've seen in the past. It continues to falter. Yeah. It's just a bunch of people willy nilly walking around yelling, Tracy Lambert, Tracy Lambert. Always the full name. Yeah. Like how many Tracy's do you think are just wandering (laughs) around in this woods and one's going to pop up and be like, me, I'm Tracy Connors. Are you (laughs) looking for me? Um, it is pretty bold taking her in broad daylight from a search party where there are people supposedly everywhere. Everywhere. How is he like, getting how? out of the woods with her? How? How is he dragging that her is, out of the woods? That is not explained. No. Um, the cop does pull over a speeding car when he gets the APB about the missing woman, uh, but he lets the driver go. And unfortunately, Cheryl, who is in the trunk the whole time, mm-hmm. waits until the cop walks away until she starts banging on the lid of the trunk. Mm-hmm. But you know, you'd think if you hear abducted woman and you've come across a suspicious speeding car, you give them a quick check before you send them on their yeah. way. Or if you're conscious enough to be banging on the lit- trunk of the car, why wouldn't you start as soon as you heard the sirens? Right? Yeah, well. <laughs> Cheryl there, doesn't want to be found. There are a lot of gaps here. Yeah. Uh, so Garcia calls Prentice about the records. And Prentice asks why she didn't call Morgan. <laughs> Profilers. And Garcia tells her about the handsome guy. And then Prentice goes and tells Morgan that he's an idiot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, and she's a great line, which I, she, I need her to tell this to my husband. Like, stop trying to fix everything and just let me talk at you. I yeah. just want you to listen to me. Yeah, just listen. I don't need your ridiculous solutions. <laughs> um, so the priest looks over the volunteer list and no one sounds like they're unsub. And Morgan is still being weirdly antagonistic to the priest. Um, and he says that he's mad at the priest because, <laughs> at all priests, mm-hmm. uh, because God didn't stop his abuse. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, well, Morgan, that's not really fucking Father Mark's fault. So right. <laughs> maybe leave Father Mark out And of you this, haven't okay? been mad at anybody else about this until now. I know. And then I was trying to remember if the last time they interacted with clergy people mm-hmm. was before they wrote that storyline mm. so like maybe they just remembered yeah maybe or like you know they were like oh well now we have to make I feel him. like he'd be more mad at like football coaches or youth group leaders than at random just, priests. Just <laughs> poor random episcopalian priest <laughs> yeah, from florida I, know. I don't know 
poor guy. Um, so yeah, then Rossi and Morgan have this really weird pissing match, heart to heart thing. Yeah. Um, Where Rossi says that Father Marks was very shaken up by his encounter with Morgan. Yeah. Like, why? Probably not. He's probably <laughs> had people yell at him before. Um, but Morgan realizes that he probably should apologize to for Father Marks because he mm-hmm. didn't do anything at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he arrives at the church, there's a woman sitting in the pew. Morgan goes over to talk to her, but she doesn't respond because she is dead. Yeah. Which you can, I mean, it's a good setup, but I mean, she's obviously dead from the moment you walk into the room. Oh, yeah. But Because he- like if you're like sitting there in a room by yourself mm-hmm. in the silence and you hear something behind you, you're going to look. Right. Always. And she's like slumped <laughs> forward very awkwardly. Yeah, I, I think she's it's supposed to look like she's praying, but like, I don't care if you're praying, you're still no. going to look. Yeah, <laughs> no. But it really scares Morgan. Yeah. It's like a jump scare. Yeah. Um, so then we see Cheryl and she's locked in a cage and the unsub arrives with a knife, which he uses to cut her pants and then oils his hands and massages her leg. Yeah, tenderizing her up. Yeah. But it, I... <laughs> It was hard to take it seriously as he's slicing open her wide leg khaki pant, which is very like early 2000s. <laughs> yeah. That's all I could think of. <laughs> um, yeah, the uh, so the new dead woman went missing nine months ago, but has only been dead for 72 hours. What? Yeah. There is no sign of sexual assault. But then Hotch asks the ME to check if the body had been frozen mm. because he thinks that the unsub is eating. <gasps> Which is like a weird leap, kind of. Yeah. I think. But then also, it seems like it should be easier to tell. That she's been frozen. If been frozen. Yeah. I would think. Especially for that long. You freezer burn. Yeah. That meat's freezer burn. (laughs) It won't even taste that good. (laughs) That's why you dump the body. Uh, But yeah, I thought that was weird that he had to suggest that to the Emmy because it seems like a decent Emmy would be be like, this body's been frozen. Yeah. It's weird. (laughs) That's very true. I just read this great Vanity Fair article about Army Hammer, speaking of. Mm. (laughs) Speaking of cannibalism. Yeah. Uh, It's great. You should look it up. I've been spending lots of time reading things on the internet late at night. and. Yeah, it (laughs) you've gone down some weird rabbit holes, have you? (laughs) Oh yeah, but the Army Hammer rabbit hole is worth it. Wow, his family is crazy. Nice, it makes sense. He is in that case. Well, they're like crazy rich people, Mm -hmm. so it's not yeah, not a huge leap to cannibalism from there. But (laughs) (laughs) nice, I know what I'm going to be doing when I can't sleep tonight. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Hotch says he made the leap to cannibalism because the unsub is taking their legs, which I guess is. The meatiest All the good part? meat? I don't Ugh. know. Gross. Um, and also because of the whole finger thing, which I still have a problem with. Yep. Um, Garcia can't find anyone, um, but then tells them that they should check out the Hazelwood Hospital for the criminally insane because that's where all of the really bad people ended up, but all of their records were destroyed in a fire conveniently. Hmm. Um like, I'd say uh, that maybe that fire was set by somebody, one of the patients, who was offended by the extremely insensitive name of the facility. <laughs> like, rude. Uh, the man that they'd need to talk to, Dr. Lawrence, uh, who I assume is the doctor from the beginning, yeah, um, is dead now. He mm-hmm. died trying to re- retrieve something from his office during the fire. Mm-hmm. The administrator tells him that the only reason they'd have to let someone 
like the person the FBI is looking for go is if they were a kid who had aged out. So the administrator just happens to have a desk, a journal in his desk that the doctor threw out of his office before dying in the fire that he's just kept in his desk drawer for 15 years. And here's the thing. I have a lot of thoughts about this hospital, mm-hmm. right along with being it being the hospital for the criminally insane. Yeah. This doesn't seem like a great facility. I think his name is Dr. Nash, this guy. I think so, yeah. He is quite a character. Like, <laughs> he looks like the ghost of someone who wants <laughs> an old hospital for the criminally insane. He's like very grizzled and a little scarry, and he has like really wiry, overgrown white eyebrows, and there's just like a lot to take in. Yeah. Um, and like he talks talks like yes. <laughs> like an old ghost yeah, it's a lot um but then it took so much prompting for him from Hotch and Reed for him to be like oh well I actually have this notebook that he threw out the window before <laughs> yeah. he died which you would think that they come in and say we're looking for someone they drop that doctor's name he's like ah let me get this notebook I have the contents memorized I've obsessed over it for years yeah why would he have thrown it out the window no yeah um, so in the journal, which read speed, it's just like speed reading right in front of everybody, which mm-hmm. is just gotta be really unsettling to watch yeah. if you're an outsider to this situation. Especially when you're trying to get him to answer a question and he's like super focused on reading. Yeah. Cause something. he always like runs his finger along, which is like not how you would speed read because no, cause you're that, not actually looking at things. You yeah. You're, like, yeah. You'd be looking at more like a glimpse of the page, yeah, right? You're not reading word every word when you're speed reading. Yeah. No, by speed <laughs> but it reading, drives me nuts when he does that. He's just reading really he just fast and really quickly. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, we, uh, Reed learns that the patient was admitted as a child after taking a bite out of his baby sister. Mm-hmm. Um, he believed that he was possessed by a demon who eats flesh and his name is Floyd Phelan. Mm. So the team storms Floyd's house where there is a meat grinder in the kitchen. A makes big everything one. everything seem especially sinister. Yep. Uh, they hear music coming from the basement. And it's like old timey record music, <laughs> uh, which sounds extra creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, they first find a walk-in freezer full of bodies. Yeah, very full. <laughs> Not a shelf to spare. No. Um, the whole basement is so dark, too. I was like, how does he get anything done down there? All the lights, it's so dark. Yeah. Um, none of the bodies is Tracy. However, um, they find Cheryl in her cage and they, but they're really focused on Tracy. I felt bad for Cheryl yeah, because they're like single mind, mind they like going for the- Tracy and poor Cheryl's in the cage and they're, they're like, like, is Tracy, Tracy here? Tracy? Yeah. She's like, no, but I am. <laughs> no, but please let me out. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then they find Floyd in his underwear. Yes. <laughs> Gross. And they, uh, he won't tell them where Tracy is. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they bring Floyd in to question him about Tracy. And Did you recognize I, him? I remember like the first time I watched this yeah. and recognizing him <gasps> and being like, holy <laughs> shit. Because <Yeah. laughs> it was like, I just remember like, this is like one of my favorite guest star things ever because like until I watched this, I did not know that Jamie Kennedy could act. Yeah. Like you're like, he's always such a doofus. Yeah. Cause you're like, this is the guy from Malibu's most wanted. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I'm genuinely afraid of him in yeah. this episode. And he like comes across in so many things as like our generation's Polly Shore. Yeah. You know, we're just like a goon. Yeah, but, but you're so like, holy crap, you can act. It's amazing. It's Randy from Scream. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Morgan goes to talk to him first. 
Uh, he talks to him about his recipe book. I loved this recipe book. I paused it and wrote down all the recipes I could see. Can you can you tell us some of the recipes? So the first one is Kobe girl steak. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, just imagine being the person that had to make this notebook. That's my dream job. <laughs> like we have a cannibal episode. We need human woman recipes. Can you please handwrite something for us? There's like little diagrams there. You can't see much of the ingredients on the yeah. Kobe girl steak. Um, you know that there was like some intern or something that's like in the props department that was like, yes, my time has come. <laughs> <laughs> there's like little diagrams of like where to get get the meat from and how to tenderize it and stuff. Um, then the second one is called skewered she, <laughs> which called for beef tenderloin and one inch cubes, olive oil, butter, fresh thyme, Dijon mustard, and pepper. Um, yeah. And then I had had all like the measurements and stuff. I didn't write all those down cause I don't plan on making skewered she, but no. I mean, as long as you're using beef, yeah. those ingredients don't sound bad. <laughs> <laughs> but that one had a frowny face next to it. Yeah. Because he said that yeah. one didn't turn out so well. Yeah. He said the good ones have smiley faces next to them, <laughs> and they do. <laughs> uh, Floyd says that he's not that smart, but he has a smart friend who tells him things, like that Morgan's watch is stopped. <gasps> Morgan looks at his watch and it's like I think by the music that was supposed to sound sinister but mm -hmm. it's like that's just the thing he probably noticed yeah <laughs> I mean it's not like he's like your watch stopped at exactly 315 which is when you were doing this other specific thing yeah, which would like, have made it creepy your watch isn't working it's just like your watch doesn't work and he's like oh Oh, yeah, I keep forgetting to replace the battery. Like, yeah, you've been talking to him, and he's been sitting there, and he probably hasn't heard it ticking because watches tick really Or see loudly. it move. His bat watch was one of those ones that has, like, the red second hand. It'd be, like, very obvious if it's moving yeah. or not. Uh, but Morgan isn't spooked because it's not spooky. And um, he doesn't believe in religion. He <laughs> hates Father Marks. He does. <laughs> Uh, he talks to Floyd about his choice in women, and Floyd says that the skinny ones taste drugs and or take drugs, and that makes them taste funny. <laughs> You're like, oh, gross. <laughs> uh, Floyd still won't tell them where Tracy is, but he says that he will tell Father Marks. So he and Morgan, um, I wrote, he and Morgan shake hands to make up, and then I realized I was like, wait, he and Floyd, <laughs> like no, he and Father March shake hands, make up, and then they go in to talk to Floyd together. Yes, they're all of branch handshake. Yes. Uh, so Floyd confesses to Father Marks while Rossi is going through the volunteer forms, and he's noticing that Floyd wasn't on the list of searchers, and Floyd says that God has abandoned him, and Father Marks tells Floyd that God is in all of us. And then he delivers one of the greatest lines of Criminal Minds, which is, so is Tracy Lambert. Just as Rossi realizes that Floyd was the one handing out chili to the volunteers at Here's the party. the thing. No one found it suspicious that this gross, disheveled guy is handing out a hot stew on a hot day. <laughs> That's what you want in Florida when you're searching a swamp is some fucking chili. I can think of two people who enjoy a hot bowl of chili. Floyd and my husband. Okay, three. Floyd, and your, your husband, and my son yeah. are the only people who want to eat chili in Florida on a hot day. Chili on a hot day is always a red flag hand down. I can't believe all these sweaty swamp searchers just didn't ask a question and took... 
this gross hot chili <laughs> from this gross sweaty man with he a does, folding table in the woods. He apparently owns a barbecue joint, though, because we see it at the end. It's mm-hmm. like, Phelan's fine BBQ. We're <laughs> like, oh, God. Where he's testing out all his skewered sheet. I, I feel like I'm saying the roar juror every time <laughs> I try to skewered sheet. No, it's because it just sounds dumb. <laughs> it's so hard to say. Yeah. Um, so then we get our next quote, 16th century English novelist Thomas Deloney wrote, God sends meat and the devil sends cooks. Mm. Mm-hmm. You certainly did find that on Google, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Morgan says that he can't understand how Floyd got so lucky and he wonders to Rossi if it might be supernatural. Like, nope, probably just bad police work and yeah. bad policy like it always is. <laughs> Uh, Rossi says it doesn't matter, that their job is just to find evil and stop it. He also says that Rita is right about having to believe in both God and the devil. And then Morgan goes to church. And it seems like it's going to be over, but it's not. Because Garcia is just getting home with her di- from her date with Colby. Yes. They seem like they had a good time. They talk about everything happening for a reason. Colby says good night, and there's like a weird, like, are they going to kiss? Or are they not going to kiss? Like, It's a hard burn when he swerves away from the kiss. Yeah. He's he so bad for Garcia. He gives her a hug, and she's just like, uh, can tell she's disappointed. Okay. Like, she yeah. thought she was getting the kiss, and he, he turned the cheek. He, he starts to walk away, and then he's like, hey, Garcia. And she turns around, and like, her face is so happy. So hopeful. Yeah. Right? And then he shoots her. <gasps> Cut to black. Like, oh my God. <laughs> he says, I've been wanting to do this all night. Yeah. And he shoots her. And it's like right in the heart. Yeah. Like you see the, it's like the entry you, wound. Shoot Garcia. Right? <laughs> it's like shooting a puppy. She hasn't done anything to anyone. I know. And yeah, cut to black. Yeah. I also remember like that. Uh, watching that episode for the first time where I was just mm-hmm. like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, it was like if they're gonna legitimately hurt any of them, shocking. Why would they hurt her? Yeah, because she's so like, sense. she doesn't do anything. Yeah. Like, she's the computer girl. She's not out in the field. Like, right. n- nobody knows her, right. you know? And we don't even really know her. Yeah. Like, other than calling her and she can look anything up on the internet. Yeah. Whether or not it exists there. But yeah, it's like, man. What so, a good episode. Wow, so much. <laughs> the only thing that wasn't good in this episode was the profile. It which was I not. feel like it's like a zero. It was How is that even a useless. profile? They gave no information no. whatsoever. They, they, I don't even know why they bothered setting up giving the locals a profile because there was no profile. Just skip over all that. We don't need it. Yeah. If you're not going to do anything with it, don't bother us. It's the same with Hotchwatch. He was like barely in this episode. He like popped his head in the room a couple times to say something salient and then he left. Yeah. Like he would just be like, I've got news and yeah. then say something and then wander away. Yeah. But, but it was, was like, all about like Morgan. Yeah. Morgan hating God and yeah. Garcia feeling unworthy of love. Yeah. So much. Um, well, we can look at our statistics because we got another white man. We sure do. Um, so overall, we're up to 50 white men. Nice round number. 83%. Um, and we have nine white men for season three, 75% white men thus far. Nice. 75.0. I didn't even have to do any rounding. Nice. Um, yeah. So I, I can't remember. I mean, I remember vaguely about this next episode because it's two-parter. The next one's called Penelope. So we're going to find know it's out what happens. The one where they find... They find her. Yeah. But, but it, I, can't I can't remember, remember the exact about, circumstances, but no. I know it's the one where they're hunting down this Colby, who yeah. is obviously not his real name. And no, he had a three part name, and part of it was Colby. And they're like, for a blonde man, no. No. That's not your name. Um, 
So, I mean, well, there'll be another white man on sub. We already know that going in. I think I just remembered. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're better than me. I don't remember. I did look up Colby. Um, Oh, yeah. His his real name is Bailey Chase. Of course it is. Of course, because he's a blonde white man. His name would be Bailey. With a strong jawline. Yeah. (laughs) Either Bailey or Chad. Um, And no, he has been in a little bit of everything, though. Curiously, he was on several episodes of SWAT, which is... Um, oh, Morgan's show that he goes to after, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but he's... Yeah, he was on 24. He was on Twin Peaks. He was on episodes of Lucifer and Chicago PD and, like, just damages. Yeah. He's in everything. He's just... Um, Castle, Cold Case, Ugly Betty, CSI. He's, like, in everything. He was, for the longest time, on As the World Turns. So if you watched a I lot of do soaps... do not remember him from that. Um, he was on Buffy for a while, but... Yeah, he's just been in everything. Yeah. Uh, he was on Undressed. I do remember that show. <laughs> do you remember Undressed? Yeah. Yes. Um, so, yeah, he's in a little bit of everything. But you'll have to tune in next week to find out Garcia's fate. Yes. See I'm what excited happens. for this one. It's a good yeah. one. Uh, wherever you're listening, be sure to leave us a five-star review. You can find us on Instagram at the Unsub is a White Man. Our theme music is composed and performed by Nate Youngblood, and the podcast is produced by Nate Youngblood. Thanks, Nate. And until next week, we'll be anywhere but Florida.